Now, I know we watched that a, a, a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to play it again because today we are at the part in our sermon series, Organic Outreach, Sharing the Best News Ever, where we've talked about how do we live the kind of life, uh, share with the organic kind of words our faith with those around us. And today we're talking about when we take the opportunity to share the best news ever. Today is all about, we're going to look at different ways that we can share the gospel with those that are around us, okay? And, and so the message today, a lot of you probably already know this. And so uh, kind of my purpose is, is threefold today. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, you're going to get the gospel in a couple different ways. And my hope and my prayer is that by God's Spirit, in one of these ways, it's going to click in your head and your heart, and you're going to realize, I, I need that. That's what I've been missing. Okay, so if that's you, I'm praying that God uses this to reveal what the good news is. If you have accepted Jesus, if you are a Christian, then it is always good for us to be reminded of the gospel, right? I mean, it is always good for us to be reminded that though every day we stumble and fall, to know that our sins have already been dealt with forever. That we don't have to beg and plead for forgiveness because they've been washed away. It's about us coming before the Father, yes, acknowledging our sin, but He's already taken care of it and the freedom that that brings. And then the other aspect of it is, is I don't want this to, just to be different ways we can see how we can share the gospel, but I want, I, I want you and I want myself to be thinking, how can we share this with the people that, that we know? Some of these are ones that you could share while you're having, having lunch with somebody or coffee. You could jot down, uh, write a, a little uh, kind of diagram on, on a napkin or something like that. Some of them are real short. They can take like, like one or two seconds almost. One of them, the guy who wrote the book, Organic Outreach, he shares he did it while he was ordering his sub sandwich from Subway. So there's longer things and there's shorter things. But, but what I want us to do is to have... Be equipped with tools in our tool belt. What are different ways that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ? So in your bulletin, you should have a, a little cheat sheet, okay? Um, and it has sharing the best news ever, okay? This isn't everything that we're covering. If you didn't get it, did anybody not get one and want one? Because I can, I can pass them out back here. Here you go, Barb. And I'll get you over there. So what this is, okay, I want you to have some tools in your... In your tool belt. Here, can you pass this over along that way? And I'll put the rest of these out, out there out front. But what I want is I want you to have tools in your tool belt that you can know and you can pull out when the time is right. I mean, it's kind of like if you're doing work around the house and you need a hammer, but you don't have a hammer, then, then how are you going to hammer in the nail? Or if you need a screwdriver, here, we'll do this. We'll just throw them on the ground. That's what we're going to do. You got one? All right, if you need any more... They're right here for right now. Because I don't want this sermon series just to be things that we come to know, but things that we can pull out and we can use when the time is right. Because we, as God's called out people, the church, we are God's plan A for salvation. Like when Jesus left, he said, all power and authority has been given to me. Now you go and you disciple you baptize, you teach. Like, that's what he's given you and me. And so we're going to get in today sharing the best news ever, but just a little bit of review because I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes we can have passion for things and then it can wane and we can kind of go back and forth. And so for me, the last couple of weeks, like, it's been hard. Like, I feel like I haven't been praying as much for the people we put on that note card, right, that little card. 
I haven't been looking for opportunities. And you know what? There's kind of two options for that. We can get so frustrated about that and down about that that we just go, oh, man, I can't believe I'm not doing what I want to do. And I, and I just kind of just, okay. Or we can say, you know what? Today's a new day. God, will you stir up a fire in me? Because, you see, if we want to be effective in sharing our faith, it comes from our heart being prepared. It comes from us knowing the gospel, knowing what we've been given, the gift that we've received. It comes from knowing God's heart of love and his heart of grace and the reality that everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. And if God's great love for the world compelled him to send his son Jesus, how much should his love in us compel us to be his witnesses, his ambassadors, and his missionaries here? So I don't know how the last couple of weeks have been for you. I don't know if you've kept up praying for those three to five people you put on that little card. If you haven't, it's okay. Start today. Because from my experience, I've seen the more that I've been praying and watching, the more opportunities I see and I'm ready for. And I don't think that's just me because I'm a pastor because that's not what it is. As we pray, we ask God to show us. We ask God to prepare us. We ask God to work in other people's lives. I think God works, and we are also more, we're ready to see and to step into that. So I encourage you, I encourage myself, let's not let this become cold. Let's see how we can raise our evangelistic temperature. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts chapter 1, okay? This is the last kind of review we'll get, and then we're going to dive into eight different ways that we can share our faith. See, Jesus said this. Remember the disciples. He died. He rose from the dead. And they're asking him, is it time? Is it time to set up your kingdom, Jesus? Like, you, you defeated death. Now we're going to defeat the Romans. We're going to sit there. We're going to reign and rule. You're the Messiah. You're the king. Like, you did it. Is it time? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As we seek to live out this life of organic outreach, it is birthed out of the power of the Holy Spirit. The power each and every one of us has as a Christian because God's Spirit is in us. Nobody has more of God's Spirit than somebody else. You have what you need to do this. I have what I need to do this. And so the challenge is for us to walk and step with the Spirit and not kink or quench the Spirit's power in our life like you can kink a hose. You see, God has given you what you need to walk this out. And we're going to explore some tools that we can use as we seek to share the gospel. You see, we talk about sharing good news. Kevin Harney in his book, Organic Outreach, says this. We can love people, we can pray for them, and serve them. Okay, those are all good things. But there comes a time when they need to hear the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Every believer can naturally present this simple, clear, and life-changing message. You see, for us to live out our faith in front of the world, that's awesome. We should do that. For us to love people and meet needs, we should do that. To have spiritual conversations, to tell our story, we should do that, and we should do it more and more, okay? Have you ever heard this quote? Preach at all times, if necessary, use words. Anybody heard that quote? Okay? It's true. Preach at all times. I don't necessarily like that quote. Because sometimes we use it, preach at all times, if it's necessary, use words. And often we interpret that as it's not often necessary. Okay? Preach at all times. If necessary, and it will always be necessary, use your words. Because you see, God has given us a message. We live it out and we also speak it out. So as we seek to be people that are reaching out to those around us, we can't forget about the gospel. 
In Romans chapter 1, which you can go ahead and turn there because we're going to get a couple verses from the book of Romans. Paul says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. In the good news that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead, within that is the power, get this, for the salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You see, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we see that how we become right with God is not based on what we do, what we don't do. It's based on what has already been done. In the book of Acts and John, we, we see that Jesus really is the only way. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That was the, well, the preaching of the apostles all through the book of Acts. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does this word say, these two words? No one. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is very clear. There is a narrow path. There's one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus Christ. And guess what? If you're here, if you're a Christian, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you know the way to salvation. You can be a missionary here in Jackson County. And so in all of our sharing, we cannot forget the gospel. Charles Van Engen says this in his book, You Are My Witnesses. Sometime, someplace, somehow in all the evangelism, evangelism activities, there must be a sharing of faith between the Christian and the non-Christian in such a way that the non-Christian is confronted with the possibility of a faith encounter of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? He says, as we seek to walk this out, there's somehow, some way, sometime, there needs to be a time where we actually share the gospel and give an opportunity for someone to respond to it. That they're confronted with the reality of here's the good news and what are you going to do with Jesus? So we're going to talk about some ways that we can do that today. So if you look at your, your handout that you have there, one of the things we're talking about is four gospel points to consider. You know, sometimes <coughs> the gospel can be maybe like for some of us how math was. Maybe in, anybody had this experience in math class? Your teacher's teaching you how to do it and you, you're, you're, you, you got it. You're good, Okay. And then you go home to do your homework, and you're like, I knew it, but now I don't know how to do it. Or one of your friends asks you about it, and you're like, well, the teacher, ah, ah. And it's hard for you to articulate it. Like, we know the gospel, but sometimes we can get kind of like, how does it, how does it work? Here, here's what we're going to do. If we want to share the gospel, there's four main things for us to, to, to consider that need to be in there. Number one is God, okay? That God is the creator, that God is loving, that God is just, that God is perfect, he's holy, okay? And that means that there's no sin or wrong in him. So we want to focus on who God is, that God is love, that he made us, and he loves us, and get this, he wants a relationship with you and with me. Because you see, the gospel isn't just a message. The gospel is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there's about us, about humanity, that just like we, we watched in that video, there's not a religion that denies that something is wrong with us, right? That the world is messed up and broken. And the differences are how do we deal with that? And so we want to make sure that when we share about the gospel, we're talking about realizing the brokenness that is within us as individuals and as humanity. That we are in need of someone to fix us, of someone to save us because we have sinned against God. 
And then it also, we, wanna, we need to ponder about Christ, that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's fully God and fully man, that he came down at Christmas. We celebrate that at Christmas. He lived life among us, and at the end of his life, he was condemned of crimes he did not commit and was killed on a cross in our place. And the last one is you. We're out of that to be able to say, if these things are true, what are you going to do about Jesus? Because the Bible says that anybody and everybody who believes in him will have eternal life. And is that something that you want or not? So you see, when we go through, hi, sweetie, you want a hug? When we go through the scriptures, okay, when we go through the gospel, that we want to make sure that we hit some of these points. Now, one thing that we can, that we can look at is start where somebody is at. Okay, let's say um, you have a, a brother who's blonde, okay, and he is studying at Harvard, okay, and you meet somebody else who's studying at Harvard as well, okay, would you start the conversation, hey, my brother has blonde hair, and they'd be like, okay, and you're like, well, he, he studies at Harvard too, and you study at Harvard, so he has blonde hair, so I right? Okay, you wouldn't, you wouldn't start that way. You'd be like, oh, that's cool. My, my brother studies at Harvard too. And you would start the conversation there and maybe the rest of it would come out, right? Okay. Same thing when you're talking about the gospel. You don't have to start in just one place. The gospel is, is a message, but it's really about a personal relationship with Jesus. So what about the gospels where they're at? Maybe it's with the resurrection of Jesus Christ because they're wondering about the power that God has or whatnot. Maybe it's starting with the death of Jesus Christ. Maybe it starts with the freedom that comes from being a Christian. We don't have to start all in the exact same place. We can get the whole message, but where are they at? Because how awkward, right, would it be? Oh, my brother has blonde hair, right? Okay, that's, that's, so, so we can look at where are they at and how do we hit, those, hit the whole gospel within our conversation with them. So the gospel is a message, but it's about pointing people to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Let's look, at, let's look at eight different ways that we can share the gospel, okay? And some of these we have, we've explored before, but I want us just to be able to get a little bit of all of them. And, and the challenge for you today is pick one of these and think about how you would share it with maybe somebody that's on that list. And maybe they're not ready for that yet, but think about how could I share this with somebody on the list, okay? So the first one is the record book. And when we talk about the record book, we can talk about it kind of like this. I want you to imagine that this book is a record of my life. It has every wrong thing I've ever done in it, okay? All of my sins. Now, when we talk about sin, it, a sin is anything we say, think, or do that's wrong. That's against God's standard. Or anytime we fail to do the right thing, okay? So uh, for me, okay, I, I'm in my 30s, okay? So it's got everything from when I was a, a kid, you know, living with my brothers. You know, we, we had a lot of fun, but we also fought sometimes. And, and so that's all in there. Okay, it's got my high school years. It's got my college years, okay? Uh, it's got the early part of my marriage, okay? Now, here's what I want you to understand. Let's say I only sin four times every day. I only said one wrong thing, did one wrong thing, thought one wrong thing, and failed to do a right thing. Okay? I, and every day I just had four sins. I sinned one of those times. That's it every day. And, and if you're probably like me, you probably have never had a day that good in your life. Okay? Some of us, we can sin in all those ways when somebody cuts us off in traffic. Right? Now, but pretend. 
Only four sins every day. By the time I'm 70, there's 100,000 entries in this book. 100,000 entries in, in this book. Now, here's what Scripture talks about. Our sin is kind of like this book. Here's me. The sin is on me. If this, this hand is like God, my sin, our sin, separates us from God. It gets in the way. We can't have a relationship with God because of our sin. And that's a problem because guess what? The Bible says that there's only one thing our sin deserves. Our sin deserves death. The wages of sin are, is death. But here's the good news of the gospel. God became man. Jesus, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And God loved you and me so much that he was unwilling for this thing to separate us, our sin to separate us. And so here's what happened. When Jesus was on the cross, it's like my sin was put on him. So where's my sin now? That's a question I'm asking you now. Where's my sin? It's on Jesus. Is it because I'm so good because I did good things because I go to church or any of that? No. It's because Jesus died in my place. And here's the thing. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he took, he took my sins like they were his, and he took the punishment I deserved, and he died, and he was buried, and he was dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and the sin was gone. And now anybody who believes in Jesus, that that sacrifice is enough for them, can be brought close to God. That our sin has been done away with. One of the ways I like to use this when I'm uh, teaching kids is I give them all a book. And what they do is, when Jesus is on the cross, they have to put all the books in a backpack, and I put it on myself, like here, like that's, that's what it's like. Your, your record is gone. So we can talk to people about how our sin separates us from God and how Jesus Christ has come to take them away. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Another way that we can share our, our, the gospel with others is to take them through what's been called the Romans Road. Okay, this can be a good opportunity if you've uh, invested in a relationship with somebody and um, <clears throat> maybe you're going out for coffee or something like that and, and you say, hey, I'd, I'd love to be able to share a little bit uh, about the gospel, maybe in talking uh, with them about it. And what you can do is you can just, uh, if you have your Bible, take your Bible, and, and these can just be verses that you highlight in, in the Word and you can read them together and see if they have questions about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to start at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you ha can have a discussion about what sin is and what sins are in your life and how they can look at the world and see that everybody is plagued by sin. And we, when we do that, we fall short of God's glorious standard, that everybody has sinned. Then you can flip ahead in, in the scriptures to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then we can talk about how what our sin earns for us is separation from God who made everything. And that leads to death. Death of our physical bodies, but also separation from God. And talk about how everybody has sinned and what sin means for us. And, and there's really bad news there, right? Death. But on the flip side of that verse is, but there is a gift that God wants to give us. The gift of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then you can move the conversation to Romans chapter 10, where you talk about how do you receive that gift? And Paul says this, if you confess with your mouth, you declare, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. 
So when somebody comes there, they, you can talk what it means to believe or to trust God and what it means to believe in your heart and that there is this promise that goes along with it that anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then you can flip back a couple pages to Romans chapter 8 verse 1 which says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So when somebody comes to faith in Jesus, their sin is removed and there's no more condemnation for them. They're free from that. What's the verse we read earlier today? Who is the one that condemns? That God is the one who justifies, made us just as if we never sinned. And then finally, you can turn to Romans chapter 12 and and have a conversation about what comes after we've been saved. So after we've been saved, we put our faith in Jesus. Then Paul says, look, I urge you in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So this is something you're not just going to just read, boom, 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 boom. But as you're having conversations with people, when you know they're at this place where we can have this conversation about what does the Bible actually say is our problem, is God's solution to the problem, is how we receive God's free gift, the the freedom from condemnation that comes after that, and the life God calls us to. We can walk through that straight from Scripture. Let them read it and then have conversations about it. That's a great way that we can share the gospel with God others all right i like this one do versus done this is a really short one hey have you ever wondered what the difference between christianity and every other religion is that can be a great question i don't know i've never really thought about that somebody that we were talking to a couple weeks ago they were talking about how um when we asked about christianity and church and they said well kind of to me it's kind of like when i grew up in China, and, the, and it talked about Buddha. Like, Buddha you want to live, you, wants you to live a good life. Jesus wants you to live a good life, okay? Okay? Well, what's the difference between Christianity and every other religion? Every other religion is what you have to do. It's spelled D-O. What you have to do to be good enough. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Because of what God has done through Christ on the cross. So that can be a really short way to just share what the difference is between Christianity and every other religion. Because Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Next one. You can do this through a simple drawing. I don't know how good you can, can see those things, but the same gospel message that we've talked about, if you wanted to illustrate that to somebody, is an arrow coming down that God became man, Jesus. We celebrate that at Christmas. He became man. He lived life. And then you can move it to the cross, which is there in, in the middle, and talk about what Jesus' death on the cross means for us. That, that little um, you there, kind of, or that upside-down you, is like the tomb. And you can share about while he was in the grave and that he died and three days later he rose again and that's what that arrow is that he rose again and everybody who believes in him has eternal life in heaven and one day Christ is going to return again and right now though he's there in heaven his spirit lives within us so that can be something that just helps you remember to cover all those bases with just a couple things that you could uh, doodle a little bit on a napkin let's talk about the bridge of life 
This could be another good way that you can illustrate the gospel. Okay, You can kind of draw um, a person on this side, God on the other side, and this big chasm in between. You can ask the person, hey, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? And maybe they say yes or no. Do you think you could jump across the Grand Canyon? Well, what happened if you try? What do, what do you think? Well, what if you tried to jump across Grand Canyon? Splat, right? Now, what if you could have the best long jumper in the world try to jump across the Grand Canyon? What would happen? Same thing. You see, so much of us live our whole life trying to be good enough to please whatever or to have a good life. But doing that is like trying to build up enough strength to run and jump across the Grand Canyon. It doesn't matter how good you are, how much you do, it's going to end up in death, right? And you can go through some of those passages from Romans, the wages of sin. What happens there? And you can use this illustration to talk about how Again, God became man, dwelt among us, that he died on the cross for our sins, that we talk about how Jesus' cross, him becoming man, is this bridge that leads us to God. So these are all different ways. It's the same gospel, the same message, those same four points to ponder, but different ways to come at it. And with different people, there, it may click for them. How Jesus' death on the cross becomes this bridge that we can cross because we don't have to try to jump across. that Our sins lead to death, but Jesus has taken them away. Let's continue on. The Baseball All-Universe Hall of Fame. Okay, I don't know if you kept up uh, with the World Series, so um, if, you're, if you don't want to know, plug your ears real quick, okay? Uh, so the Astros won yesterday, so the World Series is over, okay? But... Let's pretend there's this baseball all-universe hall of fame. And the way that you get in it, okay, is that you just have to play perfect baseball. That's all. Okay? No big deal. Just perfect. You have to play at least five years. Okay? You can't just have one game that you're perfect. If you want to be in the hall of fame, you have to have at least played five years of baseball, and you have to play air-free baseball. That means on defense, you never make a mistake. You never get counted for an air. You know what? There's players that do that. They don't make an air all season. On the flip side of it, you have to bat 1,000. Now, if any of you know baseball, the best batters in baseball, they bat 300, which means three out of ten times they, they get a hit. The other seven times they don't. Now, so this could be a good one for someone who, who likes sports because they would know for anybody to bat 1,000, even in a game, is almost impossible. So there's no way to get into the all-universe Hall of Fame. But what if somebody who was perfect at baseball could play in your place? And so you've taken maybe an interest they have in baseball or sports, and you can show how Jesus is the one who was perfect in your place and in my place and lead that into a gospel conversation. All right, two more, and then we'll wrap things up here. Number seven. I like this one, too, because it's, it's, it's short and sweet. Uh, how many of you ever rode an airplane before? Okay. How many of you like airplanes or know a lot about them or like to read about them or anything like that? Okay, so get this. Let's pretend somebody had never been on an airplane. Like they love airplanes, okay? They know all about airplanes. They spend as much time as they can at an airport to learn about airplanes. They spend time with airplane mechanics and with pilots. They know everything there is to know about an airplane. They don't get anywhere on an airplane until they step into the plane. You can know everything about Jesus. You can know everything about his word. You can hang out with pastors and Christians. You can go to church every week of your life. Every day that the church is open, you can be there. If you don't accept Jesus as your Savior, you don't get anywhere. 
So that can be a great conversation with somebody who is very religious. They've been in church a long time. Hey, it's not just about knowing about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. It's not about hanging out with Christians and being at church. It's about getting on the airplane that is Jesus. It's kind of like Noah's Ark, right? He built that whole ark. And when the flood came, if they didn't walk in the boat, they were not saved. Last one we're going we're gonna to get to. From brokenness to God's perfect design. And this one, when uh, a fellow pastor taught me this a, a handful of years ago, I, I really liked being able to hear this because this is a conversation that it doesn't just have to be for somebody who's not a Christian. It can be an encouragement for all of us. And it kind of starts out like this. So you kind of draw it. And you talk about, hey, um, the world's broken, isn't it? I mean, just, just look around. Uh, the war in Ukraine, the elections that are coming up next week, that doesn't matter what happened, somebody's going to be mad at somebody else. And I mean, if you just look at the political ads, like people just hate each other, it seems like, okay? And those are just some of the things that we know. Like the world is broken and messed up, and, there, and there's, you know, it, it's not really like how God designed it to be. You see, over here we have God's perfect design where he had relationship with people. There was no sin. There was nothing wrong. There was perfect community with God. Like to know God and be known by him, that's that's God's intention. But we live in a world that is so entirely broken. And and as I look at it and as I look at scriptures, what led to that brokenness? It's it's sin. Sin is, uh, one of my teachers used to say, when I, which is in the middle of sin, sit on the throne of my heart. When I do what I want, I will lead my own life. I'll choose what's right and wrong. I'll do what I want. Anything we say, think, or do that's against God. Anything we, anytime we fail to do the right thing, that we all have sin in our life. And that leads to the broken world that we're in. And that's the world that we live in. And there's a conversation you can have about what sin is in your life or their life or the brokenness that they see and they experience. And because we all live in this broken world, uh, we, all, we almost all try to do something to escape that brokenness. Maybe that's our job. Maybe it's hobbies. Maybe it's trying to be good enough. Maybe it's possessions. Whatever it is. Maybe it's addictions. To try to escape from the brokenness that is in the world. But you know what? None of those things really lead to true freedom. And you see, in Scripture, we see that God became man. That's Jesus. We celebrate that at Christmas. And he died on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says that when people would turn, that's what repentant means. You're walking this way, and you stop, and you turn around the other way. When they would turn from all the ways they're trying to escape brokenness and believe that Jesus is God's Son and he died for them, that, that that is the way, that is the only way to escape the brokenness that is in the world. And as somebody becomes a Christian, and that's an opportunity you can talk about what that means and how that can happen, God sends his spirit to live in us so that we can grow more and more to be like him. And one day there is an inheritance we will have in God's perfect heaven, in God's perfect kingdom, back to the design that he had. But here's the thing, as we're growing towards that, as a Christian, he's calling us to go back into the brokenness of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. So as I see this, I think that people are either over here in the brokenness of the world, maybe they're on their way back to repentance, or they're growing. Where do you see yourself in this picture? 
And so you can hear explain a little bit of the gospel. Maybe you'll be able to jot down different things. They can see this. And, you, and then it's just a question. Where do you see yourself in this? Are you over in the brokenness of the world? Are you trying to escape it in some way? Are you wondering what is true about this Jesus? Are you, are you growing? Are you, are you going? Where are you at? And again, for a Christian or non-Christian, because sometimes, you know, we could say, uh, right now as a Christian, like I, I have God's spirit, but I am trying to escape the brokenness, not by walking to his spirit, but in these different ways. So this is a conversation that can be good for anybody to be able to have. Where do you see yourself in this? And that's a question I want to ask you here. As we've gone through some of the different things here, as we look at the gospel, where do you see yourself here? Are you trying to escape the brokenness that the world has, the brokenness in your own heart, by trying to be good enough? Are you trying to escape the brokenness in your own heart by just burying yourself in work or something that you feel you can succeed at? Are you trying to numb yourself in some type of an addiction or something? Something you know is not good for you, but it's just a way of escape. Or whatever those could be. I want you to know that because God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him could escape that brokenness and have eternal life. And so I want to give to you, offer to you today, what God is offering to you. Salvation in and through Jesus Christ. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to have all the answers. What does it mean for somebody to become a Christian? It's this. To recognize that you're broken. That you're a sinner. You need help. You need a Savior. To look at Jesus and know that He is God's Son and His death on the cross is the one thing that can take away your sin, take away your brokenness. And when you see that and you believe that, then this is what it is. It's trusting. God, will you save me? I trust you to save me. You love me. You've made a way. I trust you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I want to live for you. And the Bible says that when you do that, you are born again, which means you have new life. It's like the old is put away and God puts his spirit in you. And that doesn't mean you won't struggle with sin. It doesn't mean you won't try to escape the brokenness in different ways. But it means God's spirit is in you. You're adopted as his son or daughter and you have eternal life with him that starts now and forever. And it's just the beginning. So I offer that to you. I don't offer it to you. God offers it to you. And it's kind of like this. We've used this before. I've got Rick's trusty chair up here. What does it mean for us to believe in Jesus? Like, what does that look like? What do we have to do? Because the Bible doesn't say there's anything we have to do to be saved. It says we believe. And I love to use this, this illustration because it shows a couple different things. If I believe that this chair will hold me up, how do I show my belief? You sit in it, right? I don't have to tell you I believe in this chair. I just sit in it. That shows that I believe. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we trust him, it's kind of like sitting in the chair that is Jesus. I know Jesus is God. I know that he can save me, and I'm going to trust him. And in my heart, it's like figuratively I'm sitting in him. I can trust him to save me. And the cool thing why I like a chair like this is that leads to resting. Because it's not about how good I am or about how... It's not about trying to manage my sin. 
It's not about trying to measure up. I can't measure up. You can't measure up. But today, God is holding his hand out to you saying, I've dealt with your sin. I've made a way. You simply trust me. I'll take your sin away. I'll wash you clean. I'll give you my spirit. And I'll set you on the adventure of a lifetime. Walking with me. And if you want that today, then I invite you to say a prayer kind of like this with me. So let's pray. Lord, I know that I'm broken. And I know I need someone to rescue me. I can try so hard to fix my brokenness, but I can't. Jesus, your word says that your death is the one thing that can take away my sin. Your word says that you died and rose again. And I believe that. And I'm trusting you to save me. I'm asking you to save me. I'm sitting in the chair that is Jesus. Wash away my sins. Give me your spirit. Help me to live for you. I trust you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. And if that's you today, if you did that for the very first time, talk to me today. Because that's just the beginning of a life with Christ. You see, we talked about eight different ways we can share our faith. There's a bunch more. You could Google that. You could find all these YouTube videos and stuff like that. I hope these are ways that you can share with with somebody that you've been walking to. You've been sharing your story. You've been sharing spiritual conversations. Because you know what? There comes a time when words are necessary. We need the boldness from God to be able to present the gospel in a way that somebody can respond to it. Do I believe this? Do I not? And what do I do about it? So here's your, your so what for today as our, um, as our um, uh, worship team comes on up to finish the service. Here's the two main things I want, I want you to do. These are your so what. Number one, I want you to uh, write down the gospel message, okay? I want you to think about if you were to send this letter to somebody that doesn't really have any interest in the gospel, but they have no opposition to it, how would you explain it to them, okay? I, I think this is a great exercise because it helps you really think about how would I share the gospel? How, if, I, I can't just use big Christianese words. And then I challenge you, practice one of those eight things that we did. Imagine you're sharing it with one of those people that's on the list you're praying. How would you share it to them? Maybe you can practice with your your spouse or a friend or something like that. How would you share that with them? And be praying that God will provide an opportunity for you to do that. Because there's always a time that words are needed. So let's pray and uh, we'll have a song and then uh, we'll end the service with uh, by taking communion together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. God, we love you and we worship you. Lord, I pray you'll give us the boldness and the wisdom and the clarity to really be your witnesses in our actions, in our attitude, and in our words as we share, as we ask questions and we listen, as we share our stories and as we share the best news ever, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we love you and we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.